Do you struggle with bad habits, instant gratification, consuming too much alcohol? Is alcohol impacting your health, your sleep, your longevity? Well, in today's episode, we dive deep with James Swanwick. As I got into my early 30s, I cut way back, but I was still drinking consistently. You know, that's the word, consistently. And what I have come to learn subsequently is that even a seemingly innocent glass of alcohol each night has detrimental effects to our life. Um, In fact, there was a study that just came out in March of 2022 that showed that any amount of alcohol, just one glass of alcohol per night over seven nights of the week is enough to cause brain damage. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Hope you are having a fantastic day. Thanks for pressing play today. Today's episode is with James Swanwick. He's an Australian-American entrepreneur who helps casual drinkers reduce or quit alcohol. You're going to hear about his backstory, which is super unique to being on television and traveling all over the world. And we get into this topic of alcohol. And I share my story and the reason, the decision I made years ago to give up alcohol and what that did for my health. And look, I know that this is a tough one to give it up completely. But what if you could mitigate the damage from alcohol? So he's going to share his story of why he decided to quit alcohol, what that did for his health, what he's seen with the thousands of people he's taught to reduce or, or get rid of alcohol, and how to deal with social peer pressure and alcohol consumption. Some really, really practical tips. And then we get into instant gratification. These instant hits of dopamine and uh, what, what we do to numb ourselves, not just with alcohol, but with food and how we can look at long-term enjoyment instead of short-term reward. Then we get into what alcohol does to impact your sleep. And, and as you know, sleep is so important for fat burning, detoxification, mental clarity, and brain health, what lack of sleep is doing to your body and mind, what artificial light is doing to your health in a negative way, some practical tips to get rid of artificial light during the day and during the nighttime, the benefits of wearing blue light blocking glasses and the difference between the yellow, the orange, the blue, we get into light exposure, which is super interesting. And then we get into my favorite part, which is gratitude and how gratitude changes your brain. Giving thanks not just makes you happier, but also healthier. And he shares what he does to write down 20 things he's grateful for each morning and what that has done for his health and so much more. If you are interested in James' sleep glasses and products and all the things mentioned and much more that we didn't even get into, 
we have a link down below for you to get a nice discount off the order and to check out some of the products as well. So I can't wait to share that with you. The coupon code is KETOCAMP, but you can see the link down below as well. Before I bring on James, I want to take a minute to get to today's Apple podcast rating and review of the day. This five-star review is from Kaboom, titled The Best Health Podcast. After listening to Ben's words of wisdom, I'm beginning to finally understand clearly about living a healthier life more and more with each episode. Ben offers such a great deal of valuable information. This podcast is great as it hits the importance of letting your body heal itself from within with the tools you already have inside you. I look forward to listening to many more of Ben's episodes. Thank you, Kaboom. And you said it. The human body is built to heal itself. And what we share on this podcast are many interferences that is blocking the innate intelligence. And I'm so glad this is useful to you. And thank you so much for tuning in. And I can't wait to release many more episodes for you. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast, a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to, please take a minute to hit pause and do so right now. It really does help the show grow reach more people, and essentially change more lives for the better. Maybe I will read your review on the next episode as well. If you want to learn more about my health coaching services and get coaching from me directly and plug you into our amazing premier signature course called the Keto Camp Academy, send me a message on Instagram at TheBenazadi with the word energy, and I'll give you some more details and we'll see if it's a proper fit for us. One more thing before I bring on James is that we record the video format of our interviews on the podcast. And we upload that to our YouTube channel with amazing timestamps and editing. So if you want to watch the video version of this interview today and all previous interviews and future interviews, that could be found on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash keto camp. Okay, here's James Swanwick. James Swanwick is an Australian-American entrepreneur who helps casual drinkers reduce or quit alcohol. He's also an investor, speaker, journalist, and former ESPN Sports Center anchor and Hollywood correspondent. He has coached thousands of people to improve their lives and performance by adopting an alcohol-free lifestyle. He's the author of the 30-Day No Alcohol Challenge, Your Simple Guide to Easily Reduce or Quit Alcohol, and the creator of the Project 90, an online program providing support and coaching for individuals eliminating alcohol from their lives. He's also the host of the Alcohol-Free Lifestyle Podcast, which I will be a guest on soon. Launched in June 2020 with 22 plus episodes, currently featured on iTunes and Spotify, and the James Swanwick Show, 332 episodes and 2 million downloads. He's a sleep evangelist. James is the co-founder with his brother Tristan of the popular health brand Swanwick Sleep, which produces blue light blocking glasses to improve well-being and sleep quality. The company has sold more than 150,000 pairs of the Swanee glasses, which are worn by pro athletes in the NFL, MLB, NBA, and the product has been featured on the Kelly Ripa Show, the Today Show, and in Forbes, and are recommended by some of America's top sleep doctors. We'll put a link down below for you to get that at a discount. Here's James Swanwick. James Swanwick, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast, my friend. Ben, thank you very much for having me. I'm super excited to be with you. You're in Colombia. I'm in Miami. And we're about to have an amazing conversation on living on purpose with your purpose, giving up alcohol or reducing it. 
<laughs> biohacks for sleep and so much more. And I can't wait to geek out with you. And I, I've been following you, James, for several years. I remember probably came across your work first of like in 2000 and maybe 14 or 15. It might have been through Ty Lopez back then. And then I just started to follow what you were up to. And I just loved your uh, information on alcohol and sleep and I actually have several pairs of your glasses. I'm not wearing them now, but I have the ones for nighttime. So um, I, I'm so grateful to be here with you today. Let's go back and, and share your story. Like what transpired along your career where things started to line up, where you decided to actually give up alcohol and started to see and notice the detrimental effects of alcohol? Yeah, well, I grew up in Australia and I was a socially acceptable drinker in that I had one or two glasses of wine most nights of the week. And then on weekends, I'd drink, uh, you know, considerably more, but not enough to get drunk or do stupid things or get a DUI. But I was a consistent drinker. Society would just say, oh, yeah, normal, no problems at all. But then I got to 35 and I was in Austin, Texas at an annual festival there called South by Southwest. And I had two Bombay Sapphire gin and tonics at an industry party on a Friday night. And I went to bed. And when I woke up on the Saturday morning, I looked in the mirror and I just didn't look great. And I felt really average. I was tired. I had bags under my eyes. I'd put on you know, quite a bit of visceral fat. I was probably 25 pounds heavier than I wanted to be. And I went to an IHOP, an International House of Pancakes, which was right next door to the hotel I was staying in in Austin. And I sat in that IHOP and I just said to myself, take a break, James, like take a break from drinking and get healthy. So I committed to 30 days of not drinking. And in 30 days, I lost 13 pounds of visceral fat. I slept better. I looked better. I started attracting a higher energetic and higher caliber of person into my life. I auditioned to become a, uh, a television anchor on a show called Sports Center on ESPN, and I got the job. And I credit the clarity and the focus and the energy and the drive from being consistently alcohol-free to actually helping me get that job. And then I just thought, well, this has been a very successful 30-day experiment. I'll just keep on going. And that was 12 years ago. I haven't had a drop of alcohol since that first 30-day experiment. And, and in that time... My relationships have got better. My health has got better. I've created um, a whole business now that helps people to stop drinking alcohol. I've created a business to help people sleep better. And, and just that one, that one change of getting alcohol out of my life opened up a cascade of other healthy habits and got me into things like biohacking and nutrition and conscious communication. So it's just been a glorious experience for me just getting rid of alcohol 12 years ago. It's a beautiful story. And you never really, I mean, according to what you shared, you were never really addicted to alcohol. You didn't have a, a problem where you were getting drunk every night. You said you were doing it just socially or right? a few times a week is what you said. Yeah. I mean, look, candidly, when I was in my younger twenties and mid twenties, I was out getting drunk and going to clubs and doing all that kind of stuff. But I mean, as I got into my early thirties, I cut way back, but I was still drinking consistently, you know, that's the word consistently. And what I have come to learn subsequently is that even a seemingly innocent glass of alcohol each night has detrimental effects to our life. Um, in fact, there was a study that just came out in March of 2022, March this year, that showed that any amount of alcohol, just one glass of alcohol per night over seven nights of the week, so 14 drinks per week, is enough to cause brain damage, minor brain damage, but brain damage nonetheless. And then 
every additional drink that you have past that one drink a night, the damage is, is more profound. So look, I, I'm not here to tell people to stop drinking entirely. If people want to stop drinking entirely, I'm here for you. I'll support you. And I, and you know, have an entire business called Alcohol Free Lifestyle and a podcast called Alcohol Free Lifestyle Podcast there for you. But at the very least, I'm here to encourage you to at least explore the idea that an alcohol-free lifestyle is significantly superior to an alcohol-filled lifestyle. I've had a life with alcohol and a life without, and life a life without is far more fun, far more enjoyable. And despite contrary belief, um, that if you stop drinking alcohol, you won't be able to have fun or you'll be boring or you'll be dull or you won't have anything to do. I don't think anyone would ever accuse me of being dull. <laughs> and I've always got things things on. And, you know, so I want to just invite you, you and your listeners to really just explore the idea that you can have a, a far superior life being alcohol free. Yeah, and I, I want to get into some maybe some tips that you teach to your clients in a, in a social situation like simple swaps, uh, how to set boundaries, how to set communication with your friends, and maybe the pressure when you're in a social situation. Before I, I we get there, I want to briefly share my story. And and you know, it was about seven, eight. It was about eight years ago. This January will be eight years. I was you know working on my business, entrepreneur, and I drank maybe once every other week, uh, not that much, but it was, you know, a couple times per month, I would drink. And every single time I drank alcohol, like you said, the next morning, I was a step behind, I had brain fog, I just felt off in it. And I wasn't making traction with my goals. And I remember listening to Dr. Wayne Dyer at that time. And he was sharing about his when he was younger. And he, he you know, some I think it was a a monk or somebody had told him like every sip of alcohol, you kill brain cells. And he made the decision when he heard that to never have alcohol again, because of what it was doing to his brain. And to your point with that study, like it's exactly what you just said. And it inspired me to take a break from alcohol because I was really focused on my goals. And I had a lot of goals I wanted to pursue. So I gave it up. And I said, I'm just going to give it up for a year. And, and that was going to be eight years ago. And, and like you, I, I feel so good. I have fun. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have to have alcohol to fill a void. I have goals in my life. And that's more important than a temporary high or satisfaction. So I could totally relate to your story. I love that you're inspiring other people. But James, how do we even make that decision when the social pressure is extremely high? What are some tips for that? Yeah, well, well first of all, the social pressure is high, I agree with you, but it's actually getting lower because there is now a marked worldwide movement of people becoming so much more alcohol conscious. There are a whole host of alcohol-free alternatives now which have hit the market, which are exploding. Millennials have never drunk less in their entire life. So the people who are coming, coming forward now are so much more health conscious that they're just saying no to alcohol. Like alcohol actually has a real image problem at, at the moment. And it's only going to speed up. So uh, having said that, you're right, there is still that social pressure. There's still, you know, good couple decades before it's probably looked upon in the same way as cigarette smoking is today. So what I what I coach my clients in is the energy and the energy that you bring to being alcohol free and to communicating that you're alcohol free is so much more important than the actual words that come out of your mouth. Let me just give you a, a scenario and a B scenario. Here's an A scenario. You're out, you go to the restaurant and your friends are saying, hey, let me get you a drink. What would you like a drink? Here's A scenario. Oh, 
yeah, I shouldn't actually. Uh, I'm doing this this 90 days stop drinking pro. I, sh- I, I want to drink, but no, nah, I'm sorry. I'll just have soda water. Now, in that scenario, you've just demonstrated to both the person offering you a drink and to yourself that not drinking is deprivation, that you are depriving yourself of something ordinarily you would consider fun and pleasurable and desirable. And when you're friend who's offering you the drink sees you in that energy of, oh, you're, I'm depriving myself, then of course your friend's going to say, go on, just have one. You'll be fine. You don't have a drinking problem. What are you talking about? But it's my birthday, but it's our anniversary, but if you're on vacation, blah, 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 blah. And when they see you in that energy of like, yeah, you're right, geez, I should have one, but I can't, then of course they're going to keep encouraging you to have a drink. Here's option B, so or scenario B. Hey, uh, uh, hey, Ben, I'll, I'll insert you into the story here, Ben. Ben, you're offering me a drink, okay? Ben says, um, hey, James, uh, can I get you a drink? What, what would you like? Ben, thanks, Matt. I'd love a soda, water, ice, and a piece of lime. Thanks, that'd be amazing. He goes, oh, what, you're not drinking? No, no, I don't drink. I haven't drunk in 12 years. But you go right ahead. Have fun. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get drunk on this soda water tonight. Ha, 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 ha. And then your friend in this, this scenario, you, Ben, are not going to be giving me a hard time or trying to encourage me to drink because I've just very confidently and lightheartedly portrayed an energy that I am perfectly comfortable in my own skin, not drinking alcohol. Now you're happy because I'm having fun. I'm not judging you. I've invited you to drink, to carry on. I'm not looking at you going, oh, you shouldn't be drinking. That's so bad. I'm, you're just living your life. I'm living my life. We can both relax. We can both have conversation. We both have fun. My energy is fine and confident and fun. You're happy that my energy is confident and fine and fun. And then we just get on. We get on with it. So again, it's not the words that you say explaining why you're not drinking alcohol. It's how you say it. In fact, 93% of all communication is body language. It's not the words you say. It's the tonality. It's the body language, it's the pace of the delivery of the words. 93% is how you say it. Only 7% is what you say. When you can really understand that and appreciate that, then you can just go through life being open and relaxed and chill and people stop harassing you. That's good. That is really good. And you know, you could apply that scenario to any kind of influence that you want to have, whether it's a sales call, picking up a girl, picking up a guy. I love that. I love what you said. The energy you bring is more important than the words that you speak. 93% of it, of influence, is body language. It's that energy. It's more so than the words you're saying. And that's a very important lesson to learn there in life, not just when you're communicating to your friends about alcohol. And I remember studying to get ready for this specific interview that we're having right now. You were sharing how normal it is to pretty much introduce a poison to people. Like I, I love how you just said millennials are drinking less. I didn't know that. I love that the, it's being reversed and you're a big part of that. So kudos to you and what you're doing. And the conversations like this, I think also help. But I remember you sharing like waiters and waitresses, you know, what can I get for you to drink today? And you were saying, rephrasing that, like what kind of poison can I get for you today? Is it, is it crazy how we've socially accepted this over the last few years, haven't we? Yeah, it is crazy. It's you versus the restaurant every time you go to the restaurant. <laughs> there are smiling assassins everywhere. And, and by smiling assassins, I mean the waiter or the waitress who's greeting you with a lovely smile who says, hey, can I get you started with a drink? 
hey, hello, I'll be your waiter or waitress for this evening. Can I get you started with some wine or some, some uh, cocktails? And they're smiling as they invite you to drink this attractively packaged poison. What they may as well be inviting you to do is, oh, can I get you started with some regret in the morning? Hey, uh, hello, I'll be your waiter or waitress for the evening. But can I get you started with some uh, unwanted belly fat? Hey, can I get you started with some compromised sleep tonight? Hey, can I get you started with that icky taste in your mouth tomorrow morning? Got this beautiful, beautiful bottle here, this beautiful drink here, which will give you some lovely regret tomorrow morning about 9 a.m. Would you like some of that? That's essentially what they're saying. And, you know, this is just rampant all through society. All we do is we put this poison and these toxins in a very fancy bottle and we give them very fancy names and we put really good-looking people on posters and in advertising and we have goofy guys having fun while they drink Coors beer and Budweiser and we have pictures of romance over a candlelit dinner with a bottle of wine and then we go to weddings where you must drink champagne. You have to drink champagne because we associate celebration with champagne. God forbid that we would just go to a wedding and toast the groom and bride with water. Oh, water, what are you talking about? It's a wedding. You have to drink attractively packaged poison in a fancy gold bottle that we call champagne at a wedding. It's just what you do. Well, no, it's not. A very clever marketer came up with that some time ago, and we've just bought into the narrative. Yeah, and that could go for a lot of things that we've bought into the narrative. It's, it's social con conditioning. It, all of that goes right into our subconscious mind. You watch a TV show, you watch a movie. Uh, of course, you know, they're drinking alcohol. It's very normal. For example, the, the TV show Peaky Blinders, which I, I think it's a great show, but they're constantly drinking alcohol, constantly taking shots. It's like they're normalizing having whiskey, having alcohol every single day. And even if you're not, uh, most people are not consciously aware of what's happening. But even if you are, it's still going into your subconscious. And that all of that takes into effect in your decision making. So from what I've seen, James, for myself, and for a lot of people I've worked with, when you don't have goals in life, or when you don't have your highest values, you're not clear on what's important to you, you tend to fill that with voids. And those voids could be drinking alcohol, it could be video games, it could be drugs, it could be bad relationships, it could be sugar. So how do we develop a strong why, a highest value? So we have something that's more important than a short-term alcoholic buzz. Well, look, most short-term alcoholic buzz, you use the word there, short-term, because human beings mostly will sacrifice the long-term for short-term pleasure. But if we can do a flipperoonie, as I call it, and start looking at our life long-term, then we can start making long-term choices. So for example, the, the, the woman who wants to lose some visceral belly fat, for example, you know, there's a piece of chocolate cake on offer. She can either choose the chocolate cake in the moment and sacrifice the abs or sacrifice the losing the visceral fat, I should say, or she can politely decline it, have a healthy alternative instead and delay the satisfaction of having the nice smooth abs or the whatever, you know, whatever she wants to, to experience with, with, with her physique. So a lot of times, and, and I am as guilty as the next person, have been as guilty over the years of taking short-term pleasure over long-term pleasure. But I can tell you this, the long-term pleasure is so much more pleasurable and is so much more rewarding. And so we all have to sacrifice something. The question is, do we sacrifice long-term and many, many years of happiness for short-term 
numbing or short-term reward or do we sacrifice you know do we sacrifice that feeling that instantaneous gratification for long-term enjoyment in most areas of my life these days i'm 47 years old as we record this in most areas of my life today i tend to sacrifice the short-term pleasure for the long-term gain and some choices that i have made five years ago, six, seven years ago are paying off now. Like I, sometimes I, I sit down and I think about it. I go, wow, where I am right now and what I'm doing is a direct result of the decisions and the choices that I made five, six, seven years ago. And when you start thinking like that, especially as you get getting closer to 50, by the way, because I'm 47, you start to think a year's not that long, two years, not that long, five years, not is not that long. I remember 20 years ago, 25 years ago, people saying, buy property, buy property. You'll really want property in 25, 30 years from now. Trust me. I'm like 25, 30 years ago, that's miles away. Damn. I wish I listened. <laughs> if I bought a property in Australia, 25, 30 years ago, held on to it. I would be like a millionaire on paper just from doing nothing from just holding that damn property. So anyway, that's a bit of a long winded answer, but I, I think, the, I think to answer your question, it's really looking at um, your life over the long term can help us make good short term choices. Yeah, it's well said. And, and I always kind of equate that to three, I call them three percenters, meaning uh, 3% of the population think that way. They think about lifestyle change, they think about um, the decisions they make today impacting their future. Then you have the majority of the world who will have the microwave thinking. They want that instant gratification and satisfaction. And it's very difficult when you're in that moment to foresee what this decision is going to do to you in 30 days, 30 years, etc. cetera. Uh, but just having the awareness and having these conversations is great because then when you could kind of be aware of the decisions you're making. And I remember Bob Proctor sharing that there's a season for sowing, there's a season for reaping, but they tend to not happen in the same season. So you said all of those seeds you planted four or five years ago, you, you might have not thought back then, like, is this, you probably were thinking, is this even worth it? You know, I'm doing all these things. Will it ever show up in my results? And now you're starting to see all those things grow. And, and that's, going to happen all the time. It's a universal law. You get what you put in. It might not happen right away. So I love that you broke up how to do this the right way long term. Now, you mentioned visceral fat. You mentioned just gaining weight from alcohol. I think that's a big trigger that might convince people to drink less or give it up altogether. Is alcohol actually causing weight loss resistance? Is drinking alcohol actually causing you to gain some body fat, visceral fat? Oh, yeah, 100%. So here's the thing. Any amount of alcohol close to bedtime is going to disrupt your sleep. And when you have disruptive sleep, your body is not in that repaired, restorative phase of sleep, which means your body can't go to work during the day burning fat efficiently. When you're tired from not sleeping well, from drinking the night before, you tend to uh, seek out sugary foods for, for comfort to get a, give yourself a bit of an energy spike. So you're more likely to have a creamy donut for breakfast or a bagel in the morning, or you're more likely to have a crash in mid-afternoon. And so you're, you want to go and eat more food to give you an energy boost. Often it's food that's not great for you. And it just has this spin-off and this cycle effect. In fact, you're actually better having a glass of alcohol or alcohol for breakfast than you are having it at nighttime, because at least then your body can go to work getting the toxins out of your system throughout the 16 hours that you're awake than having it close to bedtime when um, your body has to go to work in the night to try to get rid of those toxins. 
a lot of the studies that have been coming out show a direct correlation between alcohol drinking and uh, weight gain. Energy levels destroys your energy levels. Yes, it gives you some increased energy as you are drinking the alcohol or in the, in the minutes after you drunk alcohol. But then the after effects of that is it's an energy destroyer. That's why when we wake up in the morning, we're tired, we're lethargic. Often we have to drag ourselves out of bed. We're slow to get moving. Now, people mistakenly think that having a glass of wine or two at night or a drink at the end of the day, quote unquote, relaxes them. I'm not going to argue with them that you do have a feeling of a somewhat a feeling of relaxation when you drink the alcohol. It does tend to create the sensation of calming you down a little bit temporarily, right? Temporarily. However, the ramifications of that is just disastrous because what you are doing is you are drinking toxins and it's a foreign substance that your body doesn't want in it. And the moment you drink it, your body is then going, oh man, I've got to work to get this thing out of me. So the idea of, of a woman having a bubble bath with a glass of red wine on the side and drinking it, that is not relaxation. That is you just destroying your sleep, ensuring you have a stressful, anxious day the following day filled with tiredness and lethargy, ensuring that you continue to crave sugary foods, ensuring that you continue to crave alcohol again, quite frankly, at the end of the day, because it's just been such a tough day and you need to relax. But this thing that you think is helping you relax is doing anything but relaxing you. Yeah, that's social conditioning again with the woman in the bathtub. You're right. It's a poison. It kills brain cells. Your liver has to prioritize detoxifying that over all the other incredible, amazing things the liver does. It stops or slows down many of those processes to prioritize detoxification of alcohol. And liver is responsible for bile production, which helps you detoxify. Liver is responsible for bile production, which also helps you break down fat if you're eating more fat on keto. So you said it. I mean, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And sleep is one of them. Sleep is so important. As you know, James, it is fundamental to health. And I always tell people doing keto, fasting, carnivore, whatever it is, once you get that sleep dialed in, everything else that you're doing upgrades by default. But the opposite is also true. If you don't get your sleep dialed in, you could be doing the perfect keto diet, the perfect fasting schedule, the perfect CrossFit workout, you're not going to get the results you want. So let's transition more into sleep here, why sleep is so important for the body, for the brain, for fat loss, and then maybe some of your favorite biohacks for, for better sleep. Yeah, well, sleep is everything for a quality life, no question. When you are tired, you're miserable. I mean, anyone knows this, right? It's obvious. When you're tired, you don't sleep well, you just, life is not great, at least not as great as it could be. On the flip side of that, when you sleep well, when you have a great night's sleep, everything feels so much better, doesn't it? So, you know, it's pretty obvious. If you want to feel really good throughout the day, then we need to put a high premium on sleeping as well as nature intended us to sleep. Here's what we're doing to destroy our sleep. We're drinking alcohol at night. We're eating too close to bedtime. Uh, if we eat within three hours of sleep, then our body again is going to work, trying to digest the food at a time when your body wants to rest and repair. If you are using cell phones and um, screen, looking at screens and you're brushing your teeth in the bathroom light without wearing protective eyewear like blue light blocking glasses, then you are tricking your body and brain into believing it's still daytime, which means your body doesn't release as much melatonin as it wants to release. 
if you're drinking coffee within eight hours of sleep, you are compromising your, your body's ability to sleep. If you drink too much liquid before you go to sleep, which means you wake up in the middle of the night and you have to urinate one, you know, a couple times during the night, you're compromising your sleep. If you are sleeping in too warm an environment, anything less than uh, sorry, anything above 69 degrees Fahrenheit, again, you are compromising your sleep. Uh, there are all these things that we are doing wrong, which are just so normal in today's society, which is compromising our sleep. And when we, we have compromised sleep, we're not repairing, we're not restoring, we're not living the way that nature intended us to live. It's crazy that you and I even have to use the phrase biohacking. Because really, the natural state of affairs should just be the natural state of affairs. The only reason that biohackers like us exist, or the term biohacking exists, is to try to counter all of the man-made challenges we've created for ourselves with technology and bad habits, just to get back to a natural way of being. You know, I mean, thank you. Thank you for the business, you know, for buying products that try to get us back to nature, but really isn't it insane that we have to even do that in the first place? So I know a lot of your listeners are women in their, in their 40s and 50s, like mid-30s to say mid-50s, um, Ben. And, you know, the average woman aged 30 to 60 sleeps only six hours and 41 minutes during the work week, okay? And a great night's sleep is often more challenging for women because of biological conditions that are unique to women, including obviously the menstrual cycle, there's changing levels of estrogen and progesterone, pregnancy, obviously there's excess weight and the position of the fetus, which can compromise sleep, menopause, having hot flashes can compromise sleep, being woken up by a male partner, it might be your husband or your lover or your friend or whatever, men tend to be, you know, larger than women. And so they create more movement in the bed. You know, a woman is more petite, so there's not as much movement. A man is bigger. He moves slightly. It creates more movement that can wake up the partner. Women especially worry about problems. I mean, men have problems as well and worry, but I think there was a study that showed that women have something crazy, like four or five times as many worrying thoughts in a day as men do just the way that we're, we're biologically created and then also women tend to multitask as well so they're using more of their actual brain than men most of the day i mean i'm a i think i'm a simpleton really i mean i i struggle if i'm doing more than two two or three different things at the same time my, my brain gets overloaded but women are geniuses at multitasking however that does put greater strain on the brain and then therefore causes, again, a lot more worry and a lot more sleep problems. So, you know, on average, women in particular need 20 more minutes of sleep than men. And it's so important for women to have a natural flow of melatonin, especially for reproductive health, um, to protect eggs from free radical damage during ovulation. And then also it's just, you know, we just want healthy human beings in general. So putting a high focus and premium on optimizing your sleep, I think it is absolutely critical. I agree. And I, that's very fascinating, those stats on men versus women. Very, very interesting. Uh, you, you gave some really great tips, cold bedroom, not eating before bed, not drinking too much water before bed, the importance of melatonin. Let's actually go a little bit deeper into that. We, we talk a lot about melatonin. A lot of people think melatonin is, is just a sleep hormone, but it's also an antioxidant, as you know, James. And it's very, it's very important for the mitochondria. It's actually the most important 
most powerful antioxidant for the mitochondria. And the mitochondria are everything when it comes to energy production and just overall, overall longevity. So you mentioned the artificial light. And I think that right there is a big one these days. People are on their computer screen all day. They have their fluorescent lights. They're, throughout the day, they're not getting outside, getting natural sunlight, first of all. So get more sunlight, tip number one here. But when you're inside, you're getting all this artificial light during the day. And then at nighttime, you're getting all this artificial night, which is not conducive to producing melatonin. It's actually going to do the opposite and suppress it and produce cortisol. So maybe you can go a little bit more into what junk light is doing to our hormones and also the brain having to filter out the junk light. Yeah. So here's the thing. Any artificial light at night is compromising your sleep. No question. Uh, people mistakenly think that it's just light from a cell phone or from a TV screen, but it's not. It's the light on your microwave. It's the refrigerator light. It's the speedometer light. It's the air conditioning light. It's the bathroom light. It's your seemingly innocent reading light. It's the McDonald's golden arches light as you're driving the car down the highway. It's the traffic light, the street light. I don't think I need to go on. I think I've labored the point, right? Any artificial light at night suppresses your body's melatonin production, okay? Another way of saying it is suppresses your body's melatonin release. So that's the first thing is understanding that. Please do not convince yourself that the only problem is your cell phone light and you've got that night shift setting on, so therefore everything's okay. And no, that provides probably a two or three out of 10 coverage only, and it does nothing to block the light from your bathroom, kitchen, bedroom light, okay? So that's the first thing, just to understand that. Second thing that's really understand is that blocking that artificial light is imperative to ensuring that you have a good night's sleep. Um, now, I am going to talk about blue light blocking glasses here for, for a minute or two, okay? But there's, there's something that's even better than blue light blocking glasses, okay? The best possible thing that you can do besides having to wear blue light blocking glasses at night is to live your life by candlelight. It's literally to sit in the dark and live your life by candlelight because flame, fire, does not suppress your body's melatonin production, okay? Now, if you think about when you go camping, right? You go camping out in the bush, you're using uh, maybe a gas light with a flame. Um, at least that's what we, when, when I grew up in the 80s, my parents took me to camping trips and we didn't have cell phones and all this kind of stuff. So we were using like a gas lantern, you know, we always fell asleep so much earlier than normal because everything dark, there's no street lights, no traffic light. You just got literally the moon and the stars, you're out and you've got flame. Likewise, if you ever sat around a beautiful campfire and you're staring into the flame, you get sleepy because guess what? Flame and fire doesn't suppress your melatonin production. It's a it, natural flame it is actually really helps you to sleep. You stare into that beautiful flame and you get sleepy and you go to sleep. And this is the way it was for thousands and thousands of years. So it's also 2022. I know that you and me and people listening are not going to change their habits so much that they're going to get rid of electricity, that they're going to turn to gas lanterns, that they're going to live their life by candlelight. Like I'm not naive enough to think that that's realistic, right? There might be that one person who does that by listening yeah. to this. <laughs> there are those people out there, of course. And you know what? We might, we might make fun of them, but why should we make fun of them? Because that's the No, world. I'm not making fun of them. I'm, you know, <laughs> I applaud you. So the next best thing 
is literally to have eyewear that blocks that artificial blue light. Now, I am biased because I have a sleep company and I produce my own line of blue light blocking glasses, okay? But I just didn't, before I go on and tell you why it's important to wear these things, do your own research. Google other brands other than mine. Like I'm not here to just push my brand on, on, on you. Do your own research. But whatever you do, please do invest in a pair of blue light blocking glasses because you must block that blue light or you are just setting yourself up for compromised sleep and setting yourself up for an unhappy life. So for those on YouTube watching, I am now wearing a pair of orange lensed blue light blocking glasses from my sleep company, company which is called Swanwick Sleep. My last name is Swanwick. These block uh, the blue light that's responsible for suppressing your melatonin production. I put mine on in the last hour before I intend to sleep. That means I still scroll on my phone. I still sometimes watch the screen. I brush my teeth in the bathroom with the light on while wearing the glasses. I get into bed and I only remove the glasses once I've switched the final light off. I don't wear them for an hour, then take them off, then go and brush my teeth, then use the shower, then go into bed because now I'm just exposing that light to my eyes again. So once I put them on, they stay on until the last light has been switched off. Um, what these do is, just to explain how these work, orange is the exact opposite of blue. Blue light is what's coming out of your screens and your um, uh, bedroom light and your lamps and all that kind of stuff. So when you wear a pair of orange lens glasses, the blue light cannot penetrate through orange. So you're protecting your eyes, therefore your body and brain go, oh, okay, it's definitely nighttime. It's time to prepare for sleep. Melatonin starts to be released. You start to feel sleepy. And then ultimately, when you crawl into bed and you remove the glasses, you then fall asleep quicker, you sleep deeper. And ultimately, when you wake up, you should feel noticeably more refreshed than if you didn't wear a pair of protective blue light blocking glasses. Well explained. That's exactly what I do. I mean, I, I actually put them on a little bit earlier than an hour before bed. As soon as the sun goes down, I throw mine on. And I actually have a pair of yours uh, for me and my fiance. So we both put it on together. They are on while I'm in the bathroom. They're on, like you said, until I get into bed and then all the lights are off. Then I take them off as well. And, and not only that, that's great for the nighttime, right? But then we have you know the daytime. And maybe you could explain the difference between the orange ones for the night and then more of the yellow for the daytime. Yeah, absolutely. People mistakenly think that all blue light blocking glasses are equal and that you can wear a clear lensed or even a yellow lensed pair of blue light blocking glasses and that's going to help you with your sleep. In the physical universe that we currently occupy, that is an, an impossibility. A clear lens, blue light blocking glasses, will filter blue light and is recommended for daytime computer use. I mean, we're staring at these computers all day. We're looking at our screens all day. At the very least, we want to filter that light, right? And here's the thing. During the daytime, we want blue light. We actually like need blue light. And in fact, let me ask you a question, Ben. What produces the most blue light in the world? The sun? Correct. The sun. And we want the sun. We love the sun. We want to worship the sun. We want to get as much sunlight as we can. We want as much blue light as possible during the day. It's at nighttime where we don't want blue light, okay? So daytime, at least in terms of using blue light blocking glasses, we want to use a pair of clear lens glasses or yellow lens glasses, and we wear these um, on 
the computer and on the screens. So it's not blasting our eyes with this nasty artificial light for eight hours a day. Um, what these do, I'm now wearing a pair of our daytime Swannies. Swannies is the nickname that customers use for our, our Swannic blue light blocking glasses. I'm wearing the clear lens ones now. So I wear these clear lensed daytime glasses during the day when I'm on a computer. And then at nighttime, I switch to the orange lens blue light blocking glasses to make sure I block all of the blue light that's responsible for suppressing melatonin production. So I just, I implore you, please, when you see advertising from blue light blocking glasses companies that claim that clear lensed glasses will help you sleep better, it is a physical impossibility. Orange lens glasses, yes. Clear lens glasses, no. Clear lens glasses are for daytime use. Orange lens glasses are for nighttime use. Great, great distinction there. And that's why it's important to get both because for the daytime, right, at least I've noticed when I was not wearing daytime blue light uh, or these yellow blue light artificial blocking glasses, I remember I my brain was like, it felt fried. If being in front of these computer screens and these lights and recording all this content, like by 2, 3 p.m., I'm, I'm just like, my brain felt fried. And then I put these on and it's just helped me filter out a lot of this junk light. So my brain didn't have to do it. It was like having a thousand tabs open on my browser and getting that down to like 15 so I could function efficiently. So it's been a game changer for me. If you work in an office, if you create a lot of content like I do, if you're just in front of a lot of screens, get those glasses. And uh, we're going to put a link down below for, for James' company, uh, the Swannies, as we call them. If you want to check out the ones that he mentioned, there's also a coupon code for you. So if you're listening on the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, we'll put the link right at the top and the coupon code for you to get a discount if you end up buying some of his products. But I want to continue a little bit on um, the conversation before we wrap this up, James. You give a lot of advice from what I've seen on just like life hacks and you could call them biohacks, but just like living a purposeful, like happy, authentic life. And I'm curious, what role does gratitude play in that? Are you a big believer in gratitude? Do you teach it? Like what role does gratitude play with what you uh, teach? Yeah, well, I do what's called uh, the daily 20. I actually coined the term and the daily 20 is I write down 20 things I am grateful for each morning within minutes of waking up in the morning. All of the science shows that when you live a life of appreciation instead of expectation, that our stress and anxiety levels drop noticeably and our overall feeling of wellness and satisfaction increase exponentially. Now, I didn't come up with 20 things. and In fact, I was feeling quite sad and depressed at a time in my life some years ago. And I phoned up a friend of mine who I knew had experience with a lot of depression and sadness and asked him what he had done. And he said that a Navy SEAL had actually given him advice to write down 20 things that he was grateful for. And, I, and my response was 20. Oh, that's a lot, isn't it? I was thinking like maybe two or three. And he said, just do 20, James, just do 20. And he said, if you run out of things, and you're forcing yourself to come up with new things, then it's working. Keep doing that. And so I was like, okay. So that's what I did. I sat down, I got a piece of paper and a pen, and I wrote down 20 things I was grateful for. And candidly, it was challenging to begin with. And a lot of times I was thinking, oh, I'm just repeating this. But I came up with the 20, and then I did it the next morning, and then I did it the next morning, and then I realized, wow, there are so many things I have to be grateful for that I was just overlooking. It was right in front of my nose, and I wasn't seeing it. 
from as simple as I get to wake up in a comfortable bed this morning when most of the world live in poverty. The cup of, of coffee or the, the, the tea that I had this morning felt so warm um, going down my throat and warmed my body up because it was a chilly morning. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for, the, for that my parents are still alive and, and, and they're still healthy. I'm grateful for the call that my mum made to me yesterday, even though she interrupted me during a work call. I'm grateful that I have a mum who still loves me and still wants to connect with her son, like, and so forth and so forth and so forth. And um, yeah, some days I repeat the same thing that I've written on other days, and that's okay. But I always try to challenge myself to come up with 20 new things. And when you challenge yourself to come up with 20 new things each day, what you're actually doing is activating something in your brain called the RAS, which stands for Reticular Activating System. And the RAS is a bundle of nerves in your brain that focuses on something that you are talking about or you're conscious about. For example, if you and I started talking about a red Tesla car from Elon Musk's company, red Tesla, red Tesla, red Tesla, chances are we'd go out on the street, we'd be driving our own car, and the next couple of days we'd see a red Tesla, there's a red Tesla, there's a red Tesla. That's the RAS tuning in to that which we have been thinking about and talking about. So as it relates to gratitude in the daily 20, if you can quote unquote force yourself to write down 20 things that you are grateful for each day, your reticular activating system is activated and then suddenly what happens is that you start finding more and more evidence that life is good, that there are things to be grateful for, things that you didn't see, that you wouldn't have seen if you hadn't done the daily 20, if you hadn't activated your RAS. And so what happens is it has this beautiful spin-off effect whereby you just go throughout the day and ordinarily where you may have felt stressed and anxious and depressed and be focusing on everything that you lack, you just naturally start to see all the things that you have and start to live a life of appreciation versus expectation. And that reduces stress, reduces cortisol, reduces anxiety, improves our overall feeling, our outlook, and we just have happier, healthier lives. I love it, James. You're speaking my language, the RAS and the daily 20, something I've been doing for, for many, many years. And you're right. What you appreciate, appreciates. And if you think it's woo-woo, he just gave you the science, the our reticular activation system. It's a selective seeking mechanism. It's a universal law, what you feed energy to expand. So if you're if you're doing the opposite, if you're complaining and uh, you're resentful and you're thinking about all the things that are not working for you, working against you, RAS will go and show you more things that it's not working for you, right? But when you flip it around and write down 20 things you're grateful for, then you'll have more things to be grateful for. So I love that, James. Where can my audience check you out? I know you have a podcast, which is called the Alcohol Free Lifestyle Podcast, but where else can they go check you out? Yeah, alcoholfreelifestyle.com. If you are interested in any of our stop drinking services, we do help people with 30-day uh, programs, 90-day programs, and a one-year program. And then our sleep products you can find if you just type in swanwicksleep.com or if you go into Amazon and type in Swanick or Swannies, you'll also find quite a lot of stuff there for our sleep products. We've got an eye mask and and the glasses, obviously. I have a supplements company called swanvitality.com as well. If you're wanting to give your liver a break from alcohol use, I have a liver cleanse and a liver support product there. I've got some electrolytes and some GABA, which is really good to 
calm people down at the end of the end of the night as well. That's at swanvitality.com. So, and then, you know, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram or social media. I'm just at, at James Swanick. We'll put all that down below, James. Um, for those listening and watching, this could be a great episode for you to share with somebody who you know wants to give up alcohol or drink less alcohol. Maybe they have like a real problem with alcohol. Consider sharing this with them. It might make a big difference. You could just copy and paste the link, put it in a text message or a DM and say, I'd love for you to listen to this conversation. Let me know what you think. So James, I'm grateful for you. And gratitude is what I call vitamin G, the strongest vitamin in the world. I've got a lot of vitamin G for you, James. I appreciate you coming on the show and having this life-changing conversation with my audience. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome, Ben. I like that. Vitamin G. I'm going to use that, actually. I haven't heard that before. I'm not sure if that's a, a Ben coined term, but I'm going to use it if that's all right. It's a Ben coined term. I got t-shirts with it. Go ahead and use it, my friend. <laughs> Vitamin G. I love it. Thank you for that. I so appreciate you having me on the show, and thank you very much for your kind words, Ben. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope it inspired you to limit or just get rid of the alcohol and what that does to interfere with your health. Maybe you know somebody who's dealing with some alcohol issues and challenges. You might want to share this episode with them. And I hope this inspired you to focus on your sleep and get rid of junk light and get some blue light blocking glasses. We're going to drop a link for Swanwick sleep glasses and all of his products down below. Use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout for a nice discount on your entire order and all resources could be found down below in the podcast notes. If you want to watch the video format of today's interview with James, that could be found on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ketocamp. Please leave the show a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening from and send me a message on Instagram with the word energy, direct message me with the word energy on Instagram so I could give you more details on health coaching from me via our Keto Camp Academy premiere course. My Instagram handle is at the Ben Azadi. Hope you have a fantastic day. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.